Welcome to Brand on Purpose, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories behind the most impactful purpose-driven companies and organizations. I'm your host, Aaron Quitkin. Joining me today is Sarosh Mystery, Chair of Sodexo North America and CEO. Sodexo operates in 67 countries and they provide quality of life services, or you could also say food and facility services, and Sarosh will tell us more about that, across a number of industries. Building on a longstanding dedication of people, both inside and outside the company, in response to COVID-19, Sodexo made it a priority to take responsibility for the well-being of the communities it serves by partnering with organizations, both local and national, to give back. The company has used its innovative mindset to develop creative ways to engage their audiences as we're all alone together and set up over a $30 million global employee relief program for hourly workers who are directly impacted by venue shutdowns. In his various roles, Sarosh is leading the way in providing true impact during this challenging time, and I'm very excited to learn more about his work supporting both communities and his employees during this time of a pandemic. Sarosh, welcome to Brand on Purpose. Thank you, Aaron. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and thanks for this opportunity. Well, I appreciate you being here, albeit remotely, just so everybody knows we're not in studio, we're doing this over Zoom. Let's just start with a basic question. So Sodexo is one of those companies that is so important and touches so many lives, but we don't always know it because you operate your magic behind the scenes. Can you just describe for our listeners to start what Sodexo is and what you do? I think you said it well. It's the magic behind the scenes. Sodexo is a quality of life company, and sometimes that's hard for people to understand, but that's who we are at our core. We provide over 100 different services in 67 countries. We started as a food service company. We provide integrated facility management in different spaces from the time you're born till the end of your life. So we operate in hospitals, all the way to senior living centers. We even provide in-home care for seniors and others, disabled people. We're organized in three activities, on-site services, which which was the beginning of who we are, which is the food service, the facility service, and the various other services. We have another activity called personal and home services, where we provide home care services, concierge services, as well as child care services. And then we have an activity called benefits and rewards, where we provide different benefits and rewards, working with different governments so that we can provide those employee benefits to companies that want to provide them. So we work across various different sectors, cyclical and non-cyclical, and we've been at this for over 50 years. And remind me, you so you've been at the company for nine years, and before joining, you were at Starbucks. Yes, not right before, but I was at Starbucks just a few years before that. Absolutely. So Starbucks is a brand that we all know and most of us love. What is it that you've learned from your experience at Starbucks that you're able to pour it over and bring over to what you're doing in your role at Sodexo? Well, I'll tell you, besides the addiction for coffee... <laughs> It's a very employee-centric organization, very similar to Sodexo, but it's also a very consumer-centric organization. And the way they approach it is the baristas are there and they feel like they're at a concert and they're, they're performing for the people. 
because when you come to Starbucks, you're looking for an experience that will truly enrich your daily life. And when you walk out of there, you walk out with a piece of affordable luxury. And the idea is that you're going to feel better about yourself. And that's what the team works on each and every day. They also just, truly lead from a servant leadership standpoint, which is the core of the way they manage. And I think those were some great lessons that I've been able to carry with me. Sorry, you were saying something, Aaron. No, no, no worries at all. So I want to get back to servant leadership in a second because I, I love that expression and I don't think it's used enough or actually deployed enough. But, And I apologize if anybody can hear the lawnmower behind me. That's the downside of working remotely from home and doing these things. So just for so our listeners understand, Sodexo doesn't just provide supplies, right? There is actual engagement and interaction as well with consumers, whether it's at a stadium or at an assisted living facility or in someone's home or at a university or, or at a hospital setting. Am I, am I right in saying that? Absolutely. Absolutely. We employ over 430,000 people across the globe, around 160,000 people in North America alone. And our people are on the front lines. Our frontline employees are our brand ambassadors. They're the ones connecting with consumers daily, as you said, whether it be at a hospital setting, whether it be at a senior living, at a corporate setting when people are working at universities, and it goes on. So we've had a bunch of smaller to medium-sized companies on since the outbreak of COVID-19. And they've talked a little bit about what it was like in the first hours, you know, days, weeks, and months. Can you talk a little bit about what was the first, second, or third thing you did to address the pandemic, not just for your employees? Obviously, that's very important because I want to talk about the relief fund, but also for your customers. Sure. So, I mean, let's start with employees, right? As we said earlier, we, we are a quality of life company, and it starts with making sure that we provide a great quality of life for our employees. So when this happened, the first thing that came to mind was the importance of the health and safety of our employees, as well as our consumers. That's always been part of our fabric, but something like this brings it more to light, right? And then we know that this was going to have a business impact. We all know that. We've seen it. So keeping our people employed was something that we thought of immediately as to what are we going to do to make sure that our people stay gainfully employed. And whatever that meant, whether it be internal transfers, have external partnerships, which I'll be happy to share with you, that we started thinking of. We also started thinking of what operations are going to be like in this environment. How are we going to make sure that supply chain continues so we can provide services? Our services are so important because we were taking care of first responders, right? And if supply chain is not going to be able to get food there, it's not going to happen. I'll tell you, this crisis has highlighted the importance of our profession. I think our people have always been unsung heroes, but now more than ever, the service sector is out of the shadows and into the spotlight revealing the vital work that our dedicated team members perform day in and day out. There's definitely a much greater appreciation for quite literally how the sausage is made, right? So what goes on four or five, six steps away from 
me receiving a service, right? And that, or, or quite frankly, you know, sharing a meal with someone. Can you talk a little bit more about the supply chain? Because in recent weeks in particular, there's been a lot of discussion about it. I mean, it, it seems all over the place, almost to the same extent that some states are opening, some states are closing. I hear some news reports where you have, you know, CEOs of, you know, large pork producers or poultry producers saying the supply chain is broken. And that's the headline. And then others saying, it's fine. This is like a temporary disruption. And here's what we're doing to address it. You have a very interesting perch in that you work with so many different suppliers, right? Across 67 countries. What is your point of view on the supply chain? Well, I think in times like this, supply chain, it becomes the backbone, right? It's imperative that the supply chain is working flawlessly. Because again, when it comes back to it, as we said, it's the health and safety of our employees and our consumers is of paramount importance. And with right now, it is about having the right protective gears, whether it be surgical masks, N95 masks, whether it be the gowns, et cetera. And to secure these things in a time of crisis like this is an act of God. And it's extremely challenging. And we've gone above and beyond because we will not operate without making sure our employees are safe. And we are asked to do tasks like clean and sanitize rooms where COVID patients have been in there. And you think of the risk that there is to our employees, right? And we absolutely wanted to make sure that that is covered. We are asked to make sure that we clean and sanitize oil rigs. We're asked to do that across different sectors. And we're asked to provide food service to first responders in New York City. All of this requires that supply chain is able to get that product there when nothing else is working. So the strength of our supply chain has been further highlighted through this crisis because we've been able to do that. We've chartered planes from China to fly PPE in for our employees and our consumers and our clients, I would say. This is kind of a loaded question, but it sounds like you had given a lot of thought in preparation and planning, maybe not at this level from a pandemic standpoint, but at least from a kind of contingency planning crisis, operational crisis standpoint, it sounds like you were quite well prepared. No one can be fully prepared, but in terms of the actions that you've been taking and the way you were talking, I mean, you're very calm, which is great, but it sounds like you had a plan. I think that's an understatement. <laughs> we absolutely did have a plan. We have a disaster relief plan that we have in place, not only for each country, for each state, catered to every segment. But we have the unique advantage of being a global player, of actually operating the hospitals in Wuhan, China, where this all started. So, we, you know, that's the advantage of being a global player. We can it can take advantage of the learnings that we had there. And in spite of all the challenges that our employees faced in Wuhan in those hospitals, we're very, very proud to say that we were able to keep each and every employee safe. We didn't have a single case of COVID-19 with our employees in Wuhan, China. So as we saw things unfolding in China, we started making sure that we had plans in place to ensure business continuity and safety of our employees 
not in that order. Safety of our employees and then business continuity. So we started making very detailed plans and and we've had to unfold those plans, unfortunately, but it's worked to our advantage and we're very happy that we were prepared. I'm finding that the companies like Sodexo and others that have been faring the best, and I'm, I'm saying that you know in context, right? But in terms of stepping up and being able to see through clear eyes and have a plan during this crisis, they're the ones that are really leaning into their corporate values like never before. So I know that innovation is a cornerstone for the company, and I'm sure that you've leaned on that to help pivot and to manage your way and to lead your way through this crisis. What other core values of the company have you had to lean on to help guide you and your team and the employees through this crisis? That's a great question. You know, as I started with, first it starts with our mission statement, right? It is all about for us to be able to give back to the communities in which we love and live and serve. And then when you think about it, you asked about innovation. We have been able to innovate and execute in a very short period of time, whether it being having pop-up grocery stores for people in different venues, shifting to meal delivery and using grab and go, the community efforts that we've had in places like in Los Angeles, we took a hospital which was not operational, St. Vincent. We worked with the government to turn it into a COVID hospital. And within a week, the hospital We were operating all the different services, supporting the doctors and nurses to treat COVID patients. And we've also repurposed several of our convention centers to search centers to be able to fight against COVID, like in Detroit, in Baltimore. So we continue to go ahead and do what we do best, which is help improve the quality of life of our employees and consumers. And we're just rethinking the approach that we take in light of the situation that we are in. We're going to stop here for just a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay, so we're back. So you're talking about basically retrofitting entire hospitals, right? And mobilizing your workforce. It sounds like your workforce was already full of high morale and obviously it's never perfect but it sounds like everybody is very aligned, right? How did you communicate to your workforce, at least let's just say, you know, in North America when this first broke and how early? Because, you know, there's an interesting timeline. Like you said, you, you know, this goes all the way back to Wuhan, but at least in the States, and I'm saying really speaking from a New York standpoint, it wasn't really until like right before mid-March where we all started to work from home. We took it very, very seriously and social distancing think became a thing. When did you really start your timeline to not just communicate with your employees, but also activate them to help all these different communities that you serve? That's a good question. We started activating way before we went into lockdown, right? Because we knew that this was coming and we were prepared. We had lessons and we were making sure that we were not, you know, not going to be caught being unprepared. So we started preparing way ahead of time. But we started communicating with our people right at the onset. And we've kept that cadence of being very transparent with our employees and to make sure that they know where they stand and that they know that we are behind them. We believe that 
having clear and positive communication in times like this is extremely important because it, it further validates to the employees as to who we are and that they're working for the right organization that has the right values. So actually, I have been sending out a communication on a daily basis to all of North America, giving them an update as to where we are. We also immediately, when this broke, let our employees know of all the different services that they could tap into you know, for their well-being, whether it be mental well-being, physical well-being, because not only did we want them safe, but we wanted them in good health and spirits. How do you keep your employees together when so many of them don't necessarily work from an office, right? So, you know, I have the benefit of being able to talk to you right now over Zoom and using technology. And, you know, I'm Zooming all day. I'm slacking all day. Not slacking, but you know what I mean? I'm using Slack. Maybe I'm slacking. But in the office world, if you will, whereas a lot of your employees are, you know, feet on the street, they're out there. And in, in many cases, they're putting themselves, like you said, on the front line in harm's way. And Outside of email, how do you keep the culture together? How do you keep the kind of the fabric of the company together? Well, if you think about our business model, it's a hub and spoke model, right? It is all about people not being in, a, in an ivory tower or in a home like you and I are right now, but they're out there in, at client sites. And so when we recruit leaders, we look the DNA and the leaders that we hire, we look for people who can motivate people in a dispersed environment without physically being there each and every day because our model requires those kind of leaders. Otherwise, it's not we're not going to be able to scale to the level that we are at. So we've always looked for ways to be able to motivate our employees and have as much physical contact with them at facilities, but at the same time be able to operate remotely. So, but in times like this more than ever, it's the frontline leaders. They've just done an absolutely amazing job being there and motivating the teams and being there for them. Some of our healthcare employees and our senior employees, when I say senior, I mean employees that are working, assisting in senior living centers, etc. Some of these managers didn't go home for two and three weeks because they were out there taking care of their employees and their consumers and the business needed them. But they were staying at hotels because they, at the same time, didn't want to infect their families. That's the kind of sacrifice our leaders have made to ensure that our troops are well served, our consumers are safe, and that we are are giving back to the communities in which we live and serve. I'm glad you mentioned the senior community. I was going to ask about that. My mom is in an assisted living facility and I'm fortunate and she's fortunate in that they've handled the situation really well, but it couldn't, it wouldn't be without partners like Sodexo and the sacrifices, like you said, that your folks are making to be able to, you know, continue to serve and to literally keep people alive, but also to keep themselves and their families safe. And one of the other things that I've been thinking a lot about is, you know, so many kids, not just in New York City, but around the country and probably around the world as well, have food insecurity and they rely on that school meal, right? And sometimes they only get one or two meals a day and it's at school, it's not at home. Can you talk a little bit about how you're addressing that amidst COVID-19? Yeah, so as you know, most schools across the country or all schools across the country are closed down right now. But that doesn't mean that the kids that go there 
do not require the school meals that they rely on. Some of these kids, the lunch that they get is the only balanced meal that they get in the whole day. So it's very, very important that we stay on campus and provide these meals to them. And we're doing that at as many locations as possible, working with the clients. Let me share with you a couple of examples of the work that we're doing in the communities that truly makes me proud. Our Sodexo Magic teams in Fort Worth, Texas are providing around 82,000 school lunches, 82,000 school lunches. And same with our Saginaw Public School District, which is out of Michigan, has distributed four tons of food to families in need. This is just a couple of examples of what we are doing to be able to make sure that these kids in need are taken care of, right? Sodexo units that are temporarily closed, for example, and that events were canceled. Just in the month of March, we have donated 122,000 pounds of food to local food banks and nonprofits. And we, you know, we served another 116,000 meals to emergency responders. So we continue our efforts in the community because we know that it's needed now more than ever before. Actually, another example I think of is in Flint, Michigan, where the Sodexo Magic team prepares nearly 6,000 meals daily for families in need. And Aaron, I could go on and on about these examples, but you know, in the interest of time, I'll stop there. But this is what, you know, when I get up, what motivates me? It's these kind of activities that motivates me. You asked earlier, what motivates the employees when they see that a company is dedicated to making sure that their communities are well taken care of and that they're not only focused on the bottom line, they're focused on what really matters, which is making sure that you're doing right to the communities in which you live. They get motivated because they know that they're there for a purpose. And my guess too is that you've divided into two, if not more teams. So you've got a team that's focused on this kind of extingency, this existing crisis, but you still have to look towards the future, right? You still have to look at what I call business as unusual will occur at least in the next 10, 12, 24 months, the new normal. And in ordinary times, you have a couple of different areas of focus, right? Food with a, with a conscience, driving sustainability together and on the ground and growing responsibly. Can you just briefly touch on those? Because clearly, given the current environment, a lot of what we talk about is COVID-19. Although the reason why I like to talk about it is because I think it either brings out the best or the worst in individuals and in entities. And obviously, it's shining a light on why your organization and you personally, your leadership and the folks in your organization are so incredible because it's really testing your mettle and you're rising to the occasion. But let's just pretend, I think we could all pretend, hopefully pretend that COVID-19 did not happen. It's not there. Talk a little bit about those pillars and, and how important they are to the company and quite frankly, how they really are the underpinning of how you're able to respond right now. Yeah. So let's, so let's talk about on the ground and growing responsibly. As we talked about earlier, our team members, very few team members actually work out of an office. Where the magic happens is at the site levels, right? Those are the ambassadors of our brand. Whether it be the chefs, whether it be the cleaning service people, whether it be the engineers working in FM, 
they are the ones who are making it happen each and every day. So our focus is always on how do we make the life of our frontline employees better? What can we do to take things off their plate? How can we reduce the administrative burden that we put on them so that they can do what they do best, which is focus on the consumer? And when they focus on the consumer, the client's happy too. As you know, we operate in an environment where it's like a three-legged stool, right? It's our employees, it's the consumer, and it's the client. So I think that's just another example of what we focus on to, to make sure that we can continue to drive the purpose that the company is built on. Driving sustainability together, that's, that's just who we are. It's not something that we do because we feel it's the popular thing to do right now. It is something that's ingrained. It's a part of our DNA. It's about how we operate our business. And we look for the same from our vendors who we work with, who we partner with, because we feel that that's who we are and we're not going to compromise that for anything. So it's very, very important to us. It was important to us. It is important to us. And it will remain important to us as we move into the future. One of the things I, I wanted to end on is what I would say is a silver lining in a dark cloud. What do you think fundamentally has changed about your business that will continue to stay that way, but potentially for the better post-COVID-19? Are there certain things that you're doing differently now that you're like, you're like, hmm, actually, maybe this is the right way forward forever, regardless. And would you be willing to share some of those things? Sure. You know, any crisis creates learnings. And we are learning as we go through this crisis. But we are a large company with, you know, over 400,000 employees, as he said, and spread out across a lot of countries. So inbuilt into that, there's bureaucracy that creeps in. It's, you know, it's a large organization. And the level of agility that we've seen within the organization and the level of quick decision-making that we witnessed in the last six weeks is, has been truly amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. And it shows that when we are put in a situation like this, we have the ability to do that. We have the ability to be very nimble, to go back to our roots of being entrepreneurial because that's what made us successful and not be caught up in the rules and the bureaucracy that we as leaders have created. So I think we actually talked about this today on our executive leadership call saying, how do we take these learnings and make sure that they continue to stay in place so that the organization remains agile, remains nimble. And the other thing it's done is it, it breaks down silos because you know when you have a crisis like this, the team comes together and it's a great bonding for the team and people are not worried about who gets the credit. It's about let's get it done. Let's get it done so our employees remain safe. Let's get it done so our consumers are fed and they're kept safe. And we feel like that's been a great learning for us too. And we need to make sure that we parlay that into the way we work moving forward. Is there anything that you would have done differently looking back over the last six weeks, eight weeks? You know, when I think about it, I wish 
we could have done more for our employees than we did. And we've done a lot for our employees. We created an employee relief program. We extended the sick leave. We created a work, workforce resource center with more than 300,000 job opportunities. We internally placed Sodexo employees into other locations where some locations closed down. But in spite of the fact that we've done all of that, and I feel very good, I sleep at night knowing that we've done a lot and the company has absolutely stepped up. But, that, but at the same time, sometimes you hear stories and it makes you feel like, could you have done more for your people? Because there's always something more you could have done, which you just can't do because of time and the constraints that you have. You know, I can appreciate that sentiment, but as kind of a third party who is very active and working with so many companies, especially around communications and crisis, I can tell you, you know, unbiasedly that you guys have done so much more than so many other companies that are half the size, twice the size. I mean, you're what, a $22 billion global company. And the very fact that you still feel like you could do more is why you're so successful at what you do as a company and as a human, as an individual. So let me be the person, because you're clearly a very humble person. Let me be the person to praise you and your team and everybody who's working so hard on the front lines to help us all through this pandemic, because I know we could always say we could do more, but I think you've done a tremendous job. I really have. Thank you so much for your kind words. We truly appreciate it. And thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to showcase what Sodexo does. But I am very proud, and I know the executive leadership team is very proud of what we do each and every day, but it goes without saying that we can do more. So thank you. Absolutely. And it was wonderful having you on. And for everyone who's listening, keep your eyes peeled for the Sodexo brand. Whether it's a truck or it's someone who's serving you, you might be at a stadium, you might have a loved one who is at a, in school, at a secondary school, at a university, or potentially at an assisted living facility. It could be anywhere, but Sodexo touches all of us in so many ways and now more than ever. So again, Sorosha, really appreciate having you on and I wish you and your family and all of your employees the very best and that you stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Please stay safe and healthy, too. This has been an episode of Brand on Purpose with Aaron Quickkin, the podcast dedicated to uncovering the untold stories of entrepreneurs and senior leaders who make it their brand's mission to do well by doing good. Special thanks to our amazing team, including the voice you never hear, producer extraordinaire Lindsay Hand, and the always-on-point associate producer Katrina Walkley, who touches every aspect of this podcast. Learn more about our show at brandonpurpose.com, Follow our Instagram at The Bop Podcast and learn more about our host at AaronQuicken.com. Yeah.